Today, I have the pleasure of hosting David Long, the dedicated and passionate CEO of the Greater Vancouver Food Bank. David began his journey with the Food Bank as Chief Operating Officer in 2018 and was appointed as CEO just nine months later. As a classically trained chef, David worked internationally in Switzerland, Great Britain, and Australia. He settled in Canada in 1996 and spent 10 years as the executive chef at the Terminal City Club, one of Canada's most distinguished private clubs located right here in Vancouver. Recognized as one of BC's 500 most influential business leaders in 2021 and 2022, David now leads the largest food bank in the province, assisting those in need from across Vancouver, Burnaby, New Westminster, and the North Shore. Initially established as a temporary solution to the hunger crisis in 1983, the food bank has since made a gigantic impact. Just to provide some perspective, in 2023, the Greater Vancouver Food Bank distributed 9 million pounds of food, supporting 28,000 individuals, registered nearly 10,000 new food bank clients, and provided 10 to 14 items to each of those clients every week. In David's own words, he's very proud to lead a business he wishes didn't exist. Isn't that true? Very true. In today's podcast, we will discuss food insecurity in Metro Vancouver and explore the pressing issues of food waste and food distribution. David, thanks for coming on Coastal Front today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. So David, um, it's interesting when I did that introduction, I talked about the hunger crisis of 1983. And of course, in 1983, um, our society was facing a period of very high inflation, higher than we are today. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the uh, feeling of what uh, you know, the, the adult world felt like in 83 is, seems to have come back here in 2023. Do you have any sense of, of how uh, it looks for the food bank today versus when it started, uh, which was, I guess, now 30, 30 years ago now? 40 years ago. Or 40, 40 years ago. 40th, 40, yeah. 40th anniversary. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, and I think it's, uh, I think one of the biggest hurdles that we face now in 2023 is when you, you know, when you talk to somebody and you say, oh, you know, well, what do you do or where do you work? And you say, oh, I work at the food bank. They have a vision, I think, of what it was like in 1983. And, you know, they, they automatically assume you're in some church basement somewhere and you're handing out boxes of craft dinner. Yes. And then when they come for a tour of the facility and they're like, wow, you look like Costco. Yes. And I say, yeah, we're, we look exactly like Costco, except we're free. Yeah. And, you know, I got a 40,000 square foot warehouse, 9 million pounds of food, as you said, last year. Uh, and I wish we weren't in business, but mm -hmm. uh, as long as we are in business, we're going to do it as well as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to spend some time talking about your new facilities that you've just gone into and mm -hmm. to help give the listeners and viewers this perspective of, of how big your operation is. Because it, it, to me, it's a, it's a bit shocking um, that we have this much food insecurity in Canada and in Metro Vancouver. And also this chart, and I think we could just start right here because, you know, inflation has been on the minds of many Canadians. It's mostly talked about with respect to, you know, mortgages. People talk about the cost of borrowing to, on their homes. And, you know, if you look at in the world, I, you know, I spend my day in, in, in the world of finance. I mean, the, the banks, the bank stocks are all down right now because there's some real concern over their balance sheet when it comes to, you know, bank solvency, uh, sorry, with when it comes to, you know, uh, mortgage, uh, mortgages and mortgage defaults, which we haven't seen yet. And I've been saying for better part of two years since post-COVID, the reason we're still okay right now on the whole with working Canadians is because they're still working, but their dollars are getting stretched further and further. Yeah. 
And so, uh, but if we start to see unemployment go up and people lose their jobs, you can't stretch something that you don't have. That's right. Um, what we have here is a graph for those who can't see this and they're listening to this. This is a year over year price increases uh, from Canadian uh, grocery stores. This is from Stats Canada. It was just published two weeks ago. It's the end of September. And it's amazing. Now, keep in mind, these numbers have rolled off from their highs only you know six months ago. So these numbers are slightly lower than we were, they were before. And I think it's also important when I read these out to know that these inflation numbers are where we were from a year ago, never mind where we were from two years ago. Yep. And those prices have not come down. Other vegetables, well, this is the highest one, other vegetables, uh, other fresh vegetables is up just in the last 12 months, 18%. Fruit juices are up 13%. Other baked products are up 11%. There's a lot of things in the, call it the 10% category from pasta, cookies and crackers, fresh fruit, rice. Um, you've got uh, canned and other preserved fish up 10%. Sugar and confectionery. I mean, it kind of spans the entire, you know, fresh and frozen beef up 8%. Fresh vegetables up 8%. And again, this is just what happened the last 12 months, never mind the increases that happened the 12 months previous to that. And having followed this quite closely, I would argue that a lot of these categories are probably on the whole in the last two years, upwards of 20 to 25% higher. Um, can you speak to how this is impacting um, people out there who are not just those on the lowest end of the economic spectrum, but even people maybe still working today? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's certainly frightening. I mean, if you look at... Uh... I mean, I was in Save Own Foods the other day and just went and got some groceries and literally just went in for a few things and all of a sudden it's $120. And I'm going like, wow, you know, if you, you know, my kids are grown and uh, and moved out of the house. But I mean, for somebody with young children, you know, two or three kids, it's, it's you know, the grocery bill is massive now. Um, and that's the, unfortunately, that's the thing that people can, where they can scrimp and save. You can scrimp and save when you got to pay your mortgage, you got to pay your car your insurance, all those, what I, I term sort of the fixed costs. Um, and so, you know, this is, it's, it's really frightening when you see food having gone up this much. What really angers me more than anything is the volume of food that I see that's wasted. Is that right? Like it's, um, you know, what, I mean, on the, you know, the top of the list here is, is uh, other fresh vegetables. Um, the average farmer leaves 10% of the crop in the field. And this is something that we are working on right now. Um, because they filled the quota for, you know, if they're selling, you know, they're growing cauliflower for Costco or somebody, for example, or, or, or Loblaws. Once they filled their quota, um, there's about 10%. So if you think that we have farmers that we purchase from, um, 600 acres on a farm. So 60 acres of cauliflower is being left in the field on average. Is that right? And so- And are some of these local farmers- well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's all, you know, any farmer, this is what they, this is what they're telling us. So we've come up with some pretty ingenious ideas on, on, on how to, how to stop that happening. But in British Columbia alone, there's about uh, $500 million of food is wasted every month. So that's 6 billion a year, just in BC. It's 49 wow. billion across Canada. And, and like I tell many people, the, the, the easiest, the easiest numbers that I recite and, um, to put things into perspective, uh, Canada produces enough food to feed 52 million people. There's only 40 million in the country and 7 million go to bed hungry. Wow. That's your broken food system. So it's, it seems to me almost like we have more of a, a distribution system than we have a food production system. We do. We, and, I, and I say that as well. My, I'm laughing because my, my staff will, when they hear this, they'll go, oh, well, here he goes again. 
<laughs> there's no shortage of food. There's a distribution problem. And I keep saying this over and over again. And in fact, I went to uh, Burnaby Board of Trade luncheon uh, a few months ago, and David Eby was, was talking, and just that morning that announced uh, $200 million, which is a phenomenal amount of money, towards food security in BC. And $150 million of that was towards farmers to help them grow more food. And, you know, 200 people having lunch, and I was the only one that put his head in his hands and was like, oh, for God's sake, really? Right. We don't yeah. need to grow more food. Um, part of the problem is everything has to look so perfect. So if you're- Is that a big part of it? It's huge, just the huge, aesthetics huge of the food. Of I got uh, I got about five tons, about 11,000 pounds of avocados a few months ago because they were half a centimeter too small. And that was rejected by one of the big grocery chains. So you have avocados coming, obviously they're not growing locally. So, the, so you've got avocados coming from, where do they typically come? Mexico or something Mexico's, like that? Mexico, yeah, South America, Mexico, somewhere. Uh, and so they California. come into the port of Vancouver. Yep. And then they're meant to be, they're meant to be. They're meant to go to this, uh, to this uh, grocery chain. And because they're half a centimeter too small, they get rejected. And so they're going to go to landfill. And I, I happen to get my hands on them. I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you. The, the biggest... I mean, avocados are quite expensive. Well, they are. We were, we, well, and they're very imagine, healthy for you. Imagine five tons in these beautiful green nets that you, you and I buy them. Yeah. Half a cent. But, so who put that policy together? Who sat somewhere in an office and said an avocado has to be this size to be... That? But is that a corporate decision by the, whoever the buyer was? or what? Like, yeah, well, yeah, it is from that chain. But I mean, who allows that to happen? Yeah. Like who in government is not paying attention to say, okay, so we have this massive food inflation. Food's really expensive, yeah. And yet we're still allowing grocery chains to say, "Oh, that cabbage is too big." Oh, that uh, yeah, um, you know, the avocado is too small. It's ridiculous, yeah. And it happens every single day. The, the the biggest food waste that I've seen in my entire life happened about three months ago, and with the port strike in Vancouver here, and there were some mandarin oranges on the dock for I guess about a week or something, and and you know they were refrigerated, and. Uh, it was uh, through refeed farms in Langley. We get a lot of the uh, a lot of these items that are be being discarded uh, because it's not waste food; I, it's surplus. And uh, so I got a phone call from Stuart, uh, who's the CEO, and it's his company. And he says, "I've got some mandarin oranges. If you want them." And I said, "Well, how many have you got?" And he said, "Well, how many? How much can you take?" And I said, "Well, we ended up taking about eighty thousand pounds, so nearly forty tons of of mandarin oranges." Wow, and that was but, all. That was all I could distribute. That I would, why, why, why was there such a surplus? Because they've been sitting on the dock and they were being rejected. But there was absolutely nothing wrong with them, because they sat there for a week. They, uh, they were just like, no, wait, we, these, these can't be used. Okay, they're going to landfill. Guess how many tons there were in total, or guess how many pounds there were in total? Well, you took eighty thousand. I took eighty thousand pounds. Hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand. Wow, mandarin oranges discarded. That's incredible. And I couldn't, I could not distribute anymore. Like I just literally, you know, I, I shipped, uh, I actually shipped. Well, there's someone like being a, <laughs> a, 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 you know, being a guy of, of commerce, there's, I mean, someone's, someone's eating that cost. I mean, is it this, is it the, is it the supplier of the Mandarin yep. origins? Is it the yep, pro coffee chain or the, so the, the grocery chains that don't buy it and they've, uh, they're. What, no, it's probably the producer of the, of the, of those. Uh, and it's a, and it's it's a, it's almost a seasonal thing. I can guarantee you that in uh, you know next month, you know, getting closer to Christmas, guarantee you there's going to be a surplus of mandarin oranges again. And it happens all the time. I got uh, about a year ago. I got uh, there were grapes arrived on at uh, the dock in Vancouver, 
Um, I think there were California grapes, and then at the same time, some other grapes, green grapes, arrived from Chile. And because the ones from California were a little bit more expensive than the ones from Chile, they were being rejected. Wow. There was nothing wrong with them. I got 20 tons of green grapes. Like, you can't, even, you can't even imagine what that looks like. It's, and I, this happens all the time. So when I see this inflation, it makes me, just makes me angry. Yeah. Yeah, I can see. Well, for sure it would. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, David, I just, uh, you know, sort of pondered everything we've talked about so far in our quick conversation here is all about fresh food. Yep. And I've always had the impression that like, you know, when you go like, you know, there's like in schools and hockey teams do fundraising for food banks. I mean, I would never think to take grapes and throw them in a box that are going to sit in a hockey rink for a week before we go, it goes off to the food bank. I always thought in terms of like cans and boxes yep. of things, you know, uh, non-perishables, but everything you've talked about to this point is perishable. So walk me through, is, is that dynamics changed from uh, uh, 10 years ago? Very much so. Uh, so I've, I've been with the food bank five years and five years ago, uh, 20% of what we would give out or distribute was fresh. Um, how much, sorry? 20%. 20%. Okay. And so over the last five years, my, um, uh, my, my big goal has been to distribute more fresh. And our goal actually this year that we set was to distribute 70% fresh. And we are, 70%. yeah. And we've just finished the first quarter because our fiscal year starts July the 1st. And in the first quarter, we hit 67% fresh. Wow. And I say the same thing to people all the time. I mean, people that are, people that are having a tough time, they can afford craft dinner. They can afford the instant noodles. Uh, you know, they go to, you know, they go to the dollar store and they get yeah. those high sodium instant noodles. That's not what I want to distribute. Right. What I want to distribute is what they can afford, which is the fresh fruit and vegetables and the cheese and the milk and the dairy. Right. And the eggs. Uh, and that's what we're able to do. And I think from a donor perspective, people feel that we're really achieving something. So they want to donate to that. Yeah, sure. Story. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's, it just makes a better society. If you're feeding kids proper nutritional food, better brain development, they do better in schools. I've seen it firsthand yeah. in yeah. an after school program that they, you know, they're getting better grades. There's less bullying, oh, believe it or not. There's yeah. all sorts of things about, you know, when you're feeding people properly. Yeah. hundred percent. I remember yeah. reading about that in Omnivore's Dilemma and watching them on that uh, documentary Food Inc. years ago. Yeah. So one of the reasons my wife and I started, uh, we started Fresh Plate, yeah. which is a breakfast program for, uh, partnered with the Vancouver School Board. It's awesome. And to help feed young minds, yeah. right? Totally. You can't go to school. If you're unfed, okay. you're not going to learn. No, nope. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, you know, like we have all these different, you know, diabetes is rampant and all these other things. It's, it's bad nutrition. Yeah. Bad health. Yeah. Uh, a few months ago, uh, Kieran, our producer, and Lawrence, our videographer, as well as uh, Hannah, and Erica from our team had a, uh, an opportunity to spend time with you at your facility. Um, and was this the new one that you guys went to? The previous one. Yeah. And now you've got- We're still, we're still there. You're still, you're both. I've got both. Okay. So you've got now a new facility mm-hmm. um, that has, uh, uh, it's on, it's at, it's in low heat highway. Um, and uh, I understand it's enormous. It's about well, uh, 16,000 square feet. Okay. And your, and your, and your uh, previous one that you're still at as well? The, the, our, our main, our main warehouse is 40,000 square feet. 40,000. Yeah. That one you went, you guys went to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, you're obviously expanding. You've got a uh, annual operating budget now of $30 million and you've got 60 full-time staff. I'm actually just amazed at how big your business is. It's actually yeah. quite incredible. And it is kind of sad that it has to, totally is. it is that big. Totally is. Um, but maybe, can you speak to what's driving the growth of your, is it, is it because you've been, um, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm going to ask you to take some credit here, but is it because <laughs> of no. your ability to pivot this into needing to have more warehouse space because you're get you're managing to capture more of that 
um, food distribution that otherwise would go to landfill? Is it a, is it a more driven by the demand of, uh, of fa young families and individuals who are struggling to meet make ends meet? What, what's driving this growth here? Um, it's a mixture of all those things. Um, yeah. it, it absolutely is. When, when we moved into uh, our main warehouse, which is on Winston Street in Burnaby, um, three or four years ago, I never thought that I would need more refrigeration uh, uh -huh. because we increased from the previous location that was in Vancouver, we, we increased our refrigeration by 400%. And uh, lo and behold, here we are, you know, just like a few years later, and uh, we need more refrigeration. Yeah. And uh, well, that makes because, sense. Because I guess there is so much food. Yeah. There is so much food out there. And right. What we're also doing. And plus, if you're converting, moving more 20% to nearly 70% yep, fresh. fresh. Um, and so, what, what we are doing is. Uh, we're also supplying other food banks, and we're actually uh, oh really when the when the the uh, forest fires hit, um, we actually sent a lot of food up to um, Lake Country in the Okanagan, uh, to the Lake Country Food Bank. Uh, where there's a lady up there, Joy, who runs the Lake Country Food Bank, and uh, I'm going to give a plug to Cisco here because they're a phenomenal um, company. Uh, I toured some of the executives of Cisco through, and they said that uh, they wanted to help us move some food around the province if we were interested, because some of their trucks aren't full, and you know they could do that. And I got a phone call uh, when the when the fires were particularly bad in Kelowna uh, this year. I got a phone call from Joy on a Sunday morning saying, "Is there anything you can do to help us out here and, and see what we can do?" And the next morning, on the Monday morning at six o'clock, I had a fifty-three foot truck parked in my loading dock and uh, I actually went in on the Sunday to, to go through the inventory and see what we had and we loaded that truck with about 50,000 pounds of food. Wow. Sent it up to uh, uh, sent it up to Joy in Lake Country and it was distributed to all the people that had been evacuated from the fires and stuff. So, wow, fantastic. It's something that I want to do more of yeah. um, because I believe, again, you know, there's no shortage of food, there's a distribution problem. So, you know, in the back of my mind, I would love to see facilities around this province um, that, where we can ship food to. Sure. You know, because uh, there, there just is, there, there's so much food that can be distributed that's not being distributed. Yeah. Uh, and we're already doing that. We, you know, we, as I said, Lake Country, uh, we distribute up to Merritt on a regular basis. We're supplying Abbotsford on a regular basis. We're even supplying Nanaimo loaves and fishes on a regular basis. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, there's a need to, to have more refrigeration and we're, we're extremely fortunate we can do it. Yeah. Well, if I were to dumb down the concept of distribution of my limited knowledge, I mean, I would assume there'd basically be two key metrics. One would be what you just described, which is refrigerated storage facilities mm -hmm. to keep all this fresh food uh, um, preserved. And then second is getting it from uh, your maybe central locations where you have a large amount of storage to these more remote, and when I say remote communities, I mean, not that remote, but like yeah. Abbotsford and Nanaimo, you still got to make its way across the ferries or down the highway for with a truck. Does your um, do do does Van Greater Vancouver Food Bank? Do you do you actually have your own trucks that you yep. deliver on as well? Or uh, yeah, we um, we have about oh my gosh, probably about eight different trucks. Uh, you know, we got we got a you know, from from a, a three ton, five ton, ten ton trucks, uh, all refrigerated. So we can, it's really important to keep the cold chain. Yeah. So when we're picking up, you know, we want to make sure that things are you know at the right temperature and, and, and everybody has food safe yeah. in the organization to make sure that what we're distributing is, is, is good and nutritious. Um, so yeah, we have, we have a, a fleet of vehicles and trucks and that's what I also tell people as well is it, it's, uh, you know, this is a business. We run it as a business and when people donate money um, to buy food and to buy other things, you know, the money also goes towards the, the fleet of trucks. Yeah. And uh, it's all part of what we're trying to do to help move food around and to get 
food to people that need it. Mm-hmm. Well, this is fascinating. David, let's switch and talk a bit. So we've talked quite a bit about the distribution and, and the distribution issue that we have in our province. And I'm glad you brought up that um, point about uh, David Eby's announcement of, of providing more food to farmers when that's not really where the problem is. And I think hopefully anybody listening to this will, will listen to that message and go, let's refocus around the fact that we just got to get the food preserved when it comes off the ships, as you've described yeah. in these circumstances, into the right hands and maybe even supporting some of these smaller food banks and allowing you to maybe be the yeah. the kind of architect behind that. Um, but I do want to spend some time talking about food insecurity itself and yeah. maybe for game people who may be potential donors to the Greater Vancouver Food Bank to understand who is your typical type of, uh, and you call them clients, not customers, yeah, right? Clients. clients. Yep. Who's your typical kind of client? Um, all walks of life. Um, one of the frightening statistics that just came out from uh, for Food Banks Canada, and um, the uh, they just every year they produce a, a document called the Hunger Count, uh, and the frightening statistic that we're seeing um, right now is seventeen percent of the people using food banks in Canada are actually employed, working. Wow, and just can't make ends meet. Seventeen percent. Seventeen percent of people are actually working, and we we we're seeing a lot of that. Seeing people coming, you know, maybe a single parent with two kids. And once they've paid their uh, rent um, for an apartment or wherever they're living, once they you know they need a car or a vehicle to get to work, and they've paid all the other expenses, you know, the last there's no money left to to buy food, or it just doesn't go far enough. Uh, and so what we're trying to do is to you know we don't replace food completely for somebody for a week. We you know we hopefully give somebody a supplement of food. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, the average person eats three to five pounds of food a day, okay. and so you know we try and keep it about three or four days worth of food. Per person in the family, yeah. and uh, you know it's uh, it, it, you know it's tough times, and so we have a lot of senior citizens. Uh, probably you know a third of the the people we support are children, which is uh, that just breaks my heart. Yeah, um, but you know you have people that are obviously on lost a job, maybe they're on welfare, mm-hmm. um, disabilities, um, different things going on in their lives. But when you see seventeen percent, so nearly one in five people using a food bank in Canada. Yeah, I'm quite sure it's going to hit 20%. You mentioned the mortgage issue. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, I've already had those discussions with my board of directors. And in the next two years, I think we're going to see a, an even bigger increase of usage of the food bank. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Because again, David, as I, as I stated, the, um, what's what's been holding our society together, so to speak, is the fact that we have all-time low unemployment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a declining, um, a declining economic growth rate, um, as well as rising prices. And the most scary economic scenario to be in um, is called stagflation. And you need those two criteria and then you need a rise in unemployment. And uh, if we start to see that and people start losing their jobs while prices continue to go higher, it's going to be a real problem. Um, And, you know, it's interesting, your your impact report highlighted the fact that you guys have seen a 42% increase in, in food spend. Yep. I mean, that's an incredible number. So five years ago when I started, we spent about a million dollars buying food. My budget this year is 8.5. Wow. It's, uh, and, and it, you know, it's, and we have great buying power. Yeah. You know, I was just telling Kieran before we started that, you know, you mentioned bell peppers uh, mm. and you sort of see the price of things and, you know, for, for, for fresh vegetables. And I was saying we, we monitor everything we buy and we, we, you know, we have charts and tables and we have statistics so we know exactly what's going on. And our buying power in the last quarter uh, for bell peppers was 15 to 1. 
So I could get 15 times what you and I would be able to get in the grocery store okay. for the same amount of money. And that's why we, we stopped doing, uh, you know, you made reference to the sort of people would uh, collect canned food for a food bank. We yeah. actually stopped accepting public food drives because we really? don't want to have yeah, the, the canned or the outdated because everybody does the same thing. I did it when my kids yeah. were teenagers, young teenagers yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, before I was in the food you, bank, cupboard, you go like, to the cupboard, right? Yeah, like what's, you, whatever I touched in yeah, years. Well, what, and yeah. a lot of that stuff is outdated. Yeah. And when I tell people that it used to, when we did public food drives, um, you know, it used to be uh, probably $30,000 a year it would cost Greater Vancouver Food Bank to get rid of the outdated food or the food oh, that wow. wasn't good for human consumption. And so we got rid of that cost and we went to what we do, a, a virtual food drive. So you can go on our website and do a virtual food drive. Okay. And, you know, you can you can actually customize it to your company, to your logo. You can challenge other companies to do the same thing. And that has been such a massive success for us that we've actually now, we're now sharing that platform or that technology with all the food banks in BC. So every food bank can get on this platform and do their own virtual food drives and get the money that they need to buy, um, okay. you know, to purchase the fresh food. And one of the other things I want to try and do in the future is to actually have an online purchasing system so that all food banks in BC can have the buying power that I have. Yeah. Um, and then we can help distribute that food as well. I love your vision of this. This is, I mean, this is really <laughs> creative. It's very, very corporate-like. And I think, I know, I know you, like when you first got this job, you know, there were some people who were critical of you saying, oh, they've got this, this corporate guy coming in <laughs> to run it. But I, I mean, here you are, you've been at this for five years. Yeah. And uh, look at the growth you've had. Can we maybe talk for a minute about some of the support you've had either through uh, government support or if this, how's the corporate community been for you? Have they been supportive? Yeah, uh, corporate, this is amazing. Um, and and uh, you know, our landlord at, at Winston Street, and in fact, at, our, at the new location uh, is Ryan Beatty. And, and Ryan and, is one of our and, guests on our show. And Ryan and Cindy yeah. have been phenomenal. And we were actually, uh, I toured Ryan and Cindy actually through our Winston Street uh, main warehouse. Um, oh my gosh, I know, six or eight months ago. And uh, it was after the touring them through, Ryan said, uh, I've got an idea. And he said, we should have a chat this afternoon. And the idea was to feature us as the charity of choice uh, for BD Rocks in, in Stanley Park uh, in August. Um, and he actually double matched uh, any any donation that came from the people that were attending. Uh, we ended up, you know, $2 million Wow, from that from BD Rocks. So Ryan and Cindy have been phenomenal supporters. Yeah. They really have. Yeah, um, they're great, great people. Yeah, uh, and they they were the ones instrumental in getting you into this new location as well as your. No, I was actually looking for a, a the lease we had on a couple of other buildings was coming to an end, so I was actually actively looking for the last eighteen months. Uh -huh. And um, I was we had a, a friend of mine, a real estate, and uh, we were kind of looking around trying to find the location that would suit because you know you, you got to have you got to have a warehouse that has loading docks to unload trucks. You got to have somewhere where the, you know easy easy access for your clients to get to. So it's got to be, you know, public transit, tra you know, either a SkyTrain or a bus and things like that. And I was looking through this building and uh, I just happened to ask the real estate agent, I said, who, who's, who owns this building? Like if we're, if we're interested in, in renting it or leasing it. And he looked through his notes and he says, oh, it's, it's Ryan Beatty's building. I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> so back to the office, pick up a phone yeah. and, uh, and you know, we did, we did the deal. So I'm, I'm thrilled. Oh, I'm really that's happy. great. Excellent. Any other supporters in the corporate world that you want to maybe speak to, uh, or yeah, there's, there's, political there's, world? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the government has been great um, since the pandemic. I mean, before that, there wasn't a lot of attention on, on food security, but it seems to be front and center now. So, I mean, there's been a lot of initiatives from the government to try and to try and tackle food security um, and, and to take care of things. I mean, 
I don't really want to start mentioning a lot of corporate groups because I'm going to I'm going to leave somebody yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, be like, sure, fair enough. Mention me on that, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of very very generous people, um, a lot of generous companies, and and not just with not just financially. I mean, with their time as well. I mean, mm. they, they donate volunteer hours. Amazon is incredible. I mean, yeah. they they literally they have twenty or thirty people at a time from Amazon. Really, uh, great volunteers. Uh, well, let's let's talk great about donors. that for a moment. So. Yeah. If someone wanted to get involved uh, with the, the Greater Vancouver Food Bank, I mean, they can obviously make a financial donation because you, yep. you know, you need money to be able to buy this food as you described. But if someone didn't have the money but they had the time, what could they do? Uh, just go on the website. Um, we have uh, we, we have two uh, two individuals, two young ladies who run all of our volunteering. Uh, I think we're already fully booked for volunteers for November. I think we're hot and almost half booked for for spots for December. But it's an amazing experience. People really enjoy it, and I think when you're actually volunteering and you're you know you see these people in need and you, and you realize they're pretty much exactly like you and I, you know they're just going through a tough time. Yeah. For whatever reason, and when you're actually handing out, and this is the other thing about doing fresh food, if you're actually handing out quality food, you feel really good. Sure. If you're handing out boxes of craft dinner and bent cans of beans, like maybe not so great. Yeah. But when you're handing out avocados, for example, or you're yeah. handing out grapes, or you're handing out meat or eggs or whatever it might be that we have, because we create menus, um, you feel really good about doing it. And as a corporate group, it's, we just get so many great comments. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny because you know when you, when you thank a group or you, you send a note and you say thanks or you pick up a phone and you say thanks, and they're like, no, 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 thank you. Like, thank you for letting <laughs> us do that. It was so much fun. It was great. Yeah. It was a great experience. So. Well, I can see that. I mean, it would make people feel good knowing that they're helping out those in need. Yeah. Um, speaking of those in need, you know, Canada aims to bring in 1.5 million new permanent residents by 2025 under the immigration levels plan. Um, and obviously, this nation's been built. You're an immigrant. Yep. My great great grand my great grandparents were immigrants to this country, um, and most of us either you know are first or second, you know, maybe even never, you know, they were first to to this country. So. We have lots of immigrants still coming. Yep. Um, how do you see that impacting your business? And do you get a lot of of immigrants that are using you as clients? Of Absolutely. Okay. We get a, a lot of people coming until they get on their feet, maybe, you know, six months to a year until they get themselves established. Um, you know, and obviously when the, you know, the war in Ukraine, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of Ukrainian people coming over. Yeah. And I think it's fantastic for Canada to take people in, and to, you know, as you say, the country was built with people coming to to the country, and that's what one of the things I think that makes Canada so great is just this diversity that that there is. But it's tough on the food banks, yeah. And, and I see the same thing. You know, there's six big food banks across Canada, and you know, this, the CEOs of all the different food banks we all talk to each other, and it's, we see the same thing: a lot of immigrants coming in. I think what we do need to do, uh, I've actually uh, sat on a bit of a panel discussion about this, is we need to recognize people's credentials from other countries. Um, believe it or not, at the Greater Red River Food Bank, I can tell you right now, I have doctors, literally had a rocket scientist from Brazil who was working at McDonald's here and trying to make ends meet for his family, but yeah. literally back in Brazil was a rocket scientist. Wow. And just his credentials weren't being recognized or you know, he has to go through a Reschooling process. Yeah. So I think if the government is, you're, if we're taking people in, we need to we need to look at that. We yeah. need to you know fast track them and do fast a track people. Yeah. And you've got doctors. We still have the minimum standards, but absolutely. as long as they can meet those or they get you know the training needs to fast track it. 
Yeah. There's and, no point in quitting really, Walter Medical School and rocket science school you know, and start. Really look at those those things, right? Yeah. And get them, get them to be into the professions that they've, you know, been working at. Yeah. Um, I had a, a gentleman working at the food bank uh, in my uh, uh, purchasing uh, department who was a certified engineer. Wow. And, and it took him a couple of years um, to get recertified. And he actually just left as about six months ago. I was thrilled for him, right? Yeah. He could go on and do it. To yeah, be in use the, the skills he's built to, exactly. over the years. Yeah, but it literally took him a number of years. Yeah, to, to get into that uh, back in that profession. So. Yeah. Um, with respect to these immigrants coming in, um, do you is there ways in which you can? I mean, some, I'm sure many of them maybe don't speak English very well, or um, maybe they even have uh, you know their their sort of cuisine that they cook. Uh, the way in which they cook food might be different than what we're used. You know, some Canadians are used to. Is that any are any of those factors in uh, your food distribution, or, or how um, you, how you get food for them? No, not really. We, no. we use a uh, we use a phone service um, uh, that we you know if, if there is a, a language uh, barrier or there's an issue, uh, there's a phone service that's amazing that you literally just phone this number and they will have somebody on the line within a minute and that can translate. Um, so that's not that that's become you know what used to be an issue before is is no longer an issue. Yeah. Uh, and then it's fascinating to hear how people m- might cook something slightly differently. And you know, the, yeah. these conversations happen, you know, people are getting so excited about something. You, yeah. You I mean, might... mentioned you also have menus or yeah. re- uh, recipes. Well, the food that we hang out, yeah. th- that handout uh, to people or the, the, the food that we supply to, to our clients, we literally create menus about a month in advance. So if we're going to give you, for example, if we're going to give you pasta and we're going to give you pasta sauce and we're, we're probably going to give you ground beef or something with it or... Uh, if, or if we're going to give you ground beef or see if we can't get taco shells to go with it so you can actually make a meal and we'll give you onions and other things to go into it. Right. Uh, so you can actually create a meal. Yeah. Do, do you guys in, in-house do any kind of sort of initial food prep for your, your clients as far as like, uh, um, you know, packaging things or is it all literally raw? For the fresh, I'm talking about for the uh, pre- the for the fresh. fresh um, yeah. No, we don't really do any any preparation. Yeah. One thing I do want to do in the future, and one of the plans that I have is to is to because of the amount of food that's out there, especially in the Okanagan with all the with the, the fruits and things that are available, I want to start a dehydration plant. Oh, sure. And I want to start dehydrating fruits and vegetables, um, and uh, and actually supply that to daycares like the YMCA. I think they have 3,500 kids a day in daycare. So they deserve, they should be having really healthy snacks and different things like that. And if we can do that, I think that would be an exciting next step for the food bank. Mm-hmm. When it comes to certain types of foods, um, you mentioned earlier um, some poultry and uh, milk-related items like yogurt, uh, eggs, milk, cheese. Yeah. Um, are there any particular type of foods that um, the food bank is consistently kind of short of or is harder to get than others? Um, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, eggs or, uh, you know, eggs, we, we give out eggs, we give out a lot of eggs. We, I spend about $50,000 a month buying eggs because they're so versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing really I can think of that, uh, that, that, that there's a shortage of, um, you know, we, we, if we can, if we have an opportunity to purchase something, um, and get a good deal on something because of the size of the warehouse we have, we do it. Yeah. Um, the most recent thing we did for people over the age of 65, um, we do a special monthly, they, they pick up food uh, weekly, mm-hmm. but then once a month we give them a special seniors pack and there's sort of protein drinks in there and easily okay. digestible foods, yeah. and easy to eat foods. 
And so we got a really good deal from Costco on those protein drinks that you can buy, little cartons of, yeah. you know, 25, 30 grams of protein in them, which is ideal for uh, for, for more senior people. Yeah. Uh, we got a great deal on those, uh, I don't know, about a month ago. And, you know, we bought and spent $70,000. Okay. Saved about 60000 or something. Yeah. So that's where we take advantage of things like that. Okay, that's good. Um, I, you know, the seniors are one group that I do, I am concerned about because, and I look, of course, we're all touched by the fact, the idea of children going to school or growing, go, waking up in the morning hungry, that's that's a heartbreaker. But I also often feel for the seniors out there because with this rising inflation, um, a lot of them are on fixed incomes. So, and unfortunately, um, you know, a lot of the those fixed incomes haven't kept up with inflation. I'm assuming you're seeing that at, at yeah, the food we, bank. We uh, we see a lot of seniors. Um, you know, probably 15%, I think, is approximately as senior citizens. And a lot of them are on their own. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's they live on their own. Um, yeah. They're having a tough time purchasing or making the money, you know, to get fresh food. So it's also an opportunity for them when they actually come to the food bank to kind of have that an interaction with other people, mm-hmm. right? And we try and make that interaction as pleasant as possible. And I have an amazing team at the front line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, more seniors and it, it's it's a concern. Yeah. Is there any um, uh, sort of, do, do people still feel like a, there's almost like a um, a tag, a, a taboo for them to go to the food bank? Like, a, what is the word I'm looking for? A yeah, stigma. A stigma? Yeah, a stigma. Yeah. Is there still a, a perceived stigma of, of going to the food bank or is, have those, has, has that been broken down at all? Um, I think it's been broken down quite a bit, but I, I think, you know, there's obviously still people... Uh, you know they're they're very proud, or I've I've heard people sort of say I never thought I would ever have to come to a food bank. We actually had a a single father with two kids who was was working, uh, had a job, and he just couldn't make ends meet, and uh, his rent had just gone up twenty percent or something or twenty five percent, and he was in tears. He said I never thought I would have to use a food bank, but you know he left with a smile. Yeah, um, we have a real friendly crew, uh, with great atmosphere. I got music playing, and you know I'm. On purposely uh, make it look, you know, welcoming. Yeah, and you know, and, and just the way we look, the logo, the, the we rebranded the logo a couple of years ago, and just I want the look and the feel to be like, you know, if you need, to, if you if your kids are hungry, just come and get some help. Get, yeah. come and get some food. There's no stigma. There's no shame. Yeah, everybody goes through a rough time for sure. Everybody. Yeah, 100%. and uh, you know, it's interesting. I was touring uh, one of the most famous DJs, I think, in Vancouver. Uh, works for one of the big rock stations, and uh, it's a couple of years ago. Turning him through Winston Street, and he got he got really emotional, and he said, "I remember as a kid, I remember my mom using the food bank." And I was like, "Wow, you just never know." Yeah, you and you don't. You just yeah. never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, there shouldn't be there shouldn't be any stigma or shame. About, you know? So so on that on that theme, then, what, if if someone was listening to this, or they knew someone who could use the benefits of the food, the Greater Vancouver Food Bank. Mm-hmm. Um, like how, how does one go about getting food from there? Uh, walk me through that. Um, you can go on the website or you can phone, uh, we have two wonderful receptionists, uh, who work. You can just literally phone up and come and see us. We just, do you, not... do you, I, I'm really, I'm going to ask some really no, no, uh, please, dumb questions please, here, but like, no dumb questions. Like, is there, is there just the two locations you've got to go in person? Do you have to make an appointment ahead of time? Make, or... make, an, make an appointment, come and see us. If you really need food, you're stuck, just show up at one of our distribution centers. It's all on our website, the locations, the times, um, you know, if you need food, come and see us. We'll, yeah. we'll look after you and, uh, and then we'll ask you to register. 
Okay. Um, and then you know, all we need is you know your, your name What's involved in that name and address, a couple of quick questions. Yeah. You'll actually get a card. Okay. And that you have like a food bank card, and you, we just scan that when so you. So there's get no them. requirement to prove that someone doesn't have to prove they're, they don't have to show okay. their financial no. income or anything no. like that. Yeah. No. We don't. We don't. Uh, we don't ask for proof of income. Um, you know, it's, it's a pretty hot topic. A lot of people talk about, it, and some food banks do do it, and you know, and for various reasons. But I always remember there was a lady who. I mean, I, I don't know how you do that. I don't yeah. know how you say, okay, what's enough money or what's not right. enough money. Like, yeah. Where Where do you Where, where do you to judge? Right? Where do like, you draw that line? Exactly. And, and I always reflect back to there was a lady who came with two young children, and uh, she said, you know, I, I I don't qualify for the food bank. I know my um, my household income is about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, and I know I don't qualify. But my husband's a chronic gambler, and I I got no food for my kids. Wow. Right? So, yeah. How do you turn something like that away? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, you can put a financial barrier there to say, you know, but, you know, we'll talk to somebody. And so, and I, I mean, I even took some criticism for wanting to ask certain questions, but I don't, just handing somebody food every week is not a solution. So, this lady, we give her food. She's got two hungry kids. And you know what? Here's some social services, or here's some services we can maybe get for your husband and try and help you get you out of this situation that you find yourself in. Yeah. And that's what I believe the future of food banking is is just, you know, very polite conversations. And at this new location that we're moving into in Lowheed, I want to have wraparound services in, in the offices upstairs mm-hmm. where we, you know, we have, uh, you know, immigration social services. We have tax clinics from CRA. We can educate people about doing things. I want to work with local universities about career planning and resume writing and getting people yeah, back smart. on their feet. Yeah. So when you come to the food bank, you get not only food for your family, but you're going to get these other wraparound services there and people facilitating and helping you to get back on your feet or to get established in the country yeah. and do these things. And uh, that's genius, David. I love that idea. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, someone coming to a food bank, especially if they're um, either gainfully employed or just part-time yeah. employed, they've, they've maybe come from another country with a skill set. I mean, like these people, probably the majority of them are not, like they're not they're not excited to come to the food bank. They, they probably want to be able to, you know, I think most people want to be able to provide for themselves totally. and their own families. Yeah. And so if we can provide those people with some, some just basic services, like maybe even just a job bank. And they're, also, like a, they're, they're not aware of what services are out exactly. there for, right? Yeah, they're not aware of... Imagine oh, being an immigrant oh to this country. Like exactly. you said, the yep. Ukrainian immigrant, you've come to this country, you maybe barely even speak English. And, you know, some Ukrainians, a lot of them speak great English, but they still, it's a completely different culture to society. Yep. They've got, you know, young totally. kids. I mean, the, the amount of work involved to integrate into a new society... Well, this this really hit me because I'll tell you a, a, a really cool story. This, yeah. this really kind of crystallized for me recently, probably in the last six months. We had a, a jet, we had a, a company come in, the lighting I think it was a lighting company or a refrigeration company, come in to volunteer, and they were you know they were <clears throat> giving food out to, to to people, and the gentleman who owned the company was there, and he's originally from the Ukraine, and he heard a man talking, who was there with his kids to get food, heard him talking. Ukrainian. And he gave him a job. Wow. He said, you're obviously here. They started talking to each other and everything else. And my staff were telling me this story. And I'm like, oh my God, imagine come to the food bank, get a job. Like, right, we need <laughs> yeah. to do this. Like, we, yeah. need to, we need to flush this out and think about this. I mean, that was yeah. just an amazing story. Yeah. This gentleman was, was fleeing the war with his kids, came to, the food, you know, came to this country, trying to get on his feet, trying to get established, had to come to the food bank to get some help. Just so happened that the, the, the volunteer there was a gentleman who was originally from the Ukraine, was there volunteering with his wow. company. And it was just like, 
gave him a job. Wow. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Right? I want to finish with a couple of uh, questions that are more contentious issues. One that's been a, a, a one that's bothered me for years, which is around you may say at the beginning about the quota of these farmers providing food to a contract they have with maybe a major uh, grocery store chain. Um, so the, the first one is if you have a view on, I, I, I like to call Canada the world of oligopolies. We've got six major banks that basically control the financial system. Mm -hmm. We've got um, basically now two insurance companies that run the entire insurance business in Canada. We've got three telcos that run the entire telecom communications industries. Um, and, and we have in the grocery store industry, we effectively have four grocery store chains that run the entire grocery system in Canada, maybe five mm -hmm. that like account for, I mean, all of these industries are complete oligopolies. Now, I, I don't think I can prove or provide evidence that they're, they're, there's price fixing, but we know that, for example, what was it, Canadian Bread, I think it was called, that was owned by Weston just a few years ago, um, was, they, they got slapped with the Competition Bureau for price fixing on, on bread. Yeah. And so do you have a, a, an opinion, first of all, on the consolidation of power, so to speak, within the grocery store industry? And if that's having an impact on food insecurity, I mean, of course, you've got people like Jagmeet Singh right now in the NDP, uh, you know, saying that CEOs of these major uh, food co's are, uh, are are just making away like bandits. In fact, there the, there's there's legislation being presented at the federal government right now, uh, talking about you know putting some kind of cap on how much these food uh, distribution these uh, excuse me these grocery store chains can make. So do you have a view on this? And maybe it's not, I don't know if you're comfortable answering that question, but do you have a view on these on these major grocery store chains controlling the market? Um, I, I, think, I think the biggest problem for me is the policies that these grocery chains have about food. Um, and, and I think there needs to be an education of the public about, you know, because something doesn't look absolutely perfect because that apple has a little tiny blemish on it, you know, that it, I think there needs to be something about the amount of food waste or rejection that goes on or it's surplus for food. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to comment about them if they have a monopoly on it or, or things like that. But ironically, um, you know, and, and I had this conversation with my board of directors, you know, we, you know, food inflation and you see these prices and this, this, this chart that we have in front of us and about how much, you know, so fresh fruit and vegetables, you know, 18% in the last year, it's gone up like, oh my God, how's the food bank going to be able to afford to buy? The ironic thing about it is I actually get more food because the public are buying less. I see. So if you think about it from that perspective is the public's buying less, they're making less go further. So there's an even more surplus of food out there. So ironically, the, if the public's not buying it and they're having a tough time affording it, I'm actually getting more of that food that they're not buying and then I'm giving it to them for free. <laughs> Right. Right? Yeah, that's so bizarre. It is bizarre. And yeah. I like I, it, uh, this dog. It's a broken system. Totally broken system. Yeah. I say this over and over again. There's no shortage of food. There's a distribution problem. Yeah. So, you know, by all means, raise your prices at the grocery at the gro grocery chain level. I actually get more food because people aren't buying it. Right. Wow. They're going to come to me and get it for free. Yeah. <laughs> the second question I have is around the, um, uh, what I call Canada's dairy cartel. Mm -hmm. And I use that word fairly strongly. Um, Canada has had, um, since World War, just after World War II, and I know this from my own pa family history of um, one of my, one of my uh, family members was a longtime third generation dairy farmer until their family dairy farm here in the Fraser Valley got bought out after in the 19, late, uh, early 1950s. 
when um, we switched from from uh, sort of a, a, an open free market to controlled supply chain management market, where you yep. you know there's a supply supply management around dairy, yep. and so it's it's well known in Canada that there are dairy farmers out there, and they on on um, on the whole make roughly about twenty percent uh, greater income than any other kind of farmer in the country. Dairy farmers are the wealthiest. They have a complete control on the market. Um, they have a lot, a very large lobbying group that uh, lobbies both the uh, conservative and liberal governments, uh, got parties, so that whoever's in government is going to be having a lot of uh, power influ- influenced on them. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we pour out a lot of milk. I mean, this yep. is why a lot of Canadians go across the border daily to buy themselves eggs and cheese and milk because, you know, we have these artificially high prices because we, we literally pour milk down the drain because this quota system. Do you have a view on this? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating, absolutely. I mean, on, on a positive side, what I will say is that the, uh, all the milk and cheese and things that we have in Canada, it's all growth hormone-free. That's, yes. that's the one benefit. So it's not regulated like that in the States. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you know, that's, that's I mean, that's their argument always is like, well, we have, you know, no hormones and like, I, well, but, yeah, but, but, but it, you still have a quota system. I mean, you can still have those regulations, but not require dairy farmers to make a quota. And after that, any further production has it, to get, it drives me crazy when I hear yeah. the, the, the pouring milk away and things like that. And I mean, and I, one of the things I never get a deal on is buying eggs. Like, because, is that right? Yeah. I, I just can't get a good deal yeah. on purchasing eggs. And as I say, I spend $50,000 a month. Yeah. And I, the buying industry is also regulated and controlled as far as supply. You know, it's, it's, it needs to be looked at. Yeah. You know, why are we pouring milk away and yet there's hungry kids in schools that yeah. have milk for their cereal or, right. or whatever it is and yeah. things like that. So absolutely it needs to be looked at. Yeah. The whole food system needs to be looked at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it and changed in a certain way. And I hope there's politicians that come along that actually want to do something about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I really do. Well, that's a good segue into my second to last question, which <laughs> is about the politics of, of food insecurity and food distribution. Um, if you wanted to send a message to Justin Trudeau or to David Eby, if it's you know, more focused on our province, what message would you send to them today? Um, I would love to, I would love to sit down and have a conversation, um, with some, I think they need to have some new people around the table to talk about this. I think, you know, food banking has been around for 40 years. Um, it's only got bigger and more demand. And I think we need to have some fresh voices around the table. I would love to sit down with them and have a conversation about building an infrastructure around this province. You know, why, why is it so difficult to get food? You know, I'd love to get food up to the first nations in the North of BC. In fact, in the North of Canada, right across the country. Um, sure. you know, you think food's expensive here. Well, you know, yeah. try to get astronomical, astronomical to go buy a four liter jug of milk and it's about $15. Yeah. Um, I would love to have a conversation about what does the infrastructure look like? You know, if you want to give, if you want, if you want to give some money, um, towards something, let's build an infrastructure around the province, uh, and let's look at moving this food around. So everybody in this province has access to food and, yeah. and uh, you know, the surplus of food that's out there and, and just, I mean, we haven't even touched and I could talk about this for hours, the, the CO2 gases that come off rotting food and landfills. Yeah. Massive. It's more than any industry. It's more than any vehicle. Really? Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's get the food out of, you know. Let's let's get the surplus food where it belongs. Yeah, uh, you know, to people that are hungry. So let's build the infrastructure. It's all it is is logistics. Yeah, I mean it's not it's it's not rocket science. It it really isn't. It's if I can ship food up to to Lake Country mm-hmm. uh, and 
Oh, and some of the people we were feeding up in Lake Country, there were the firefighters. Wow, really? So how's your disaster response program in British Columbia when the food bank is actually feeding the firefighters, the fighting the fires in Kelowna? That's embarrassing for the government. I mean, it's... um, so, you know, we need, we just need the infrastructure and there's yeah. always going to be forest fires. I mean, yeah. the, when we had those floods a couple of years ago in Abbotsford and, and, uh, I was actually one big construction company. I got a phone call. They had a helicopter. We can, we were actually moving food by helicopter. It was really cool. Wow. Um, but you know, there's lots of great solutions and, you know, throwing money at things let's, let's make sure the money's going into the right areas and doing the right things. And I always say the same thing as well to my team. It's, it's gotta be sustainable. Yeah. I don't want to give an agency money because I got money from the government and then in, in a year's time, cut it off. Cut it off. Yeah. There's big this, charities yeah. out there doing that. Okay. And I don't think it's right. No. I think you've got to be sustainable. So if you're going to, if somebody's going to become reliant on you, then you need to be in there for the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. That was our focus with Fresh Plate. Uh, you know, when I taught, when we worked with the Vancouver School Board, yep. why it took us a year and a half to launch it was I wanted to make sure it was a program that once we commit to, yep. it doesn't end. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so on that note, uh, it, look, it sounds like everything's going really well with the Vancouver Food Bank, <laughs> right? You don't need anything. You've got this all figured out. You've got growing, uh, you know, uh, a growing volunteer base. But like, like, you need you need something. You, you need probably, I would assume. And dumb this down, volunteer time and money. That's it. Is that that's it? That's it. Okay, Perfect. you nailed it. Okay, <laughs> so walk walk us through. Uh, we talked a little bit more uh, earlier about how people can volunteer, but uh, talk about donations uh, again. Donation uh, donations on, online uh, on the website. Um, we have a great uh, great online uh, website and easy donations. Um, become a monthly donor. That is, uh, you know, that's kind of the lifeline of a charity is a monthly donor. Yeah. Um, I'm a monthly donor to the food bank. I work there, but I, I donate every month, $50 yeah. and, uh, yeah. you know, every, every little bit helps. It really, really does. And it goes to running what is a big business and running it effectively and running it, you know, we're not, uh, we, we got a, a five-star, uh, a, a plus rating from charity intelligence. In fact, we got in the top 100 charities of Canada this year. Did you really? Because of how we, you know, you can you can see our impact report. You've got one in yeah. front of you. Yeah, right. Our impact yeah. report just came out um, for the previous year. It's on our website, and you know, I we're completely transparent. The financials are there. You can see. You can ask me any question you want. I'll 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 answer it about how we run the operation. Um, we, we're a living wage employer. Um, my board of directors have been fantastic about how we run this organization. And uh, I said to them at one board meeting a couple few years ago, I said, you know. I have got, I have, I have such dedicated staff. I've got one, one gentleman who I think 15 years with a food bank driving a forklift in the warehouse. And I said, I don't want him to work his whole life in this industry and then have to use the food bank. Yeah. So we need to pay well said. wages yeah. uh, and we need to support the team that we have so we can do the work that we do. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I'm very proud of how we run it and how we operate and, and the impact report has just come out for the last year. Um, and. You know, it's 40 years. I wish it wasn't 40 years, Yeah. but, uh, it's either a financial donation online, uh, or come volunteer your time Yeah. or phone me up, like come and, you know, you can see me on the website there. You can find me Yeah. Well, phone reception. Tell me why I have a tour of the website or a tour of the facility. Yeah. And we'll walk you through it and you can yeah. actually come and see it. Yeah. So, you did that for our team. And, and just to be clear, because a lot of our listeners and viewers are corporate people in Metro yep. Vancouver. They employ a lot of people. You 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 do have uh, sort of corporate groups that come and volunteer oh, and on mass, right? Huge. Yeah, I got like I think it's about two or three thousand different corporate groups. Yeah, volunteer right. their time and and they literally they have a good time and uh, 
it just, you know, people, I talk to volunteers all the time, like, oh my God, it's awesome. It's the best experience. It's great. You come yeah. down and have some fun. And we do have a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and we can, you know, we, we kind of look after our volunteers and, you know, we also look after our donors and, you know, we do, we do a regular thankathon. Yeah. And the whole team, my board of directors, everybody, everybody on staff will, you know, phone 20 or 30 different uh, donors and, and just say thank you. And we always get the same thing. No, 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 thank you. And yeah. I'm really glad I can help. Yeah. So, Fantastic. It's awesome. Well, David Long, CEO of Greater Vancouver Food Bank. It's amazing to see what you've done. I know you've got, you're celebrating your 40th year this year, but you've been there for the last five and you've really moved the needle on this thing. Um, it's unfortunate this industry and this business exists. We both agree to that. Yeah. But since we know it does, uh, it's nice to have a guy like you at the top of the uh, top of the group uh, leading it and, and growing it the way you have, going from 20% perishable foods to a target of uh, 70 and you hit 67, I think you yep. said in your last quarter. It's an, it's an amazing statistic. So thank you for the work you're doing. Well, thank you very and, much, dude. And carry on, man. This is great. That's keep, awesome. Keep it going. Thank, thank you, you very David much. David Long.